You are tuned to the Folk Music Notebook, streaming folk songs 24-7. And welcome back to Traditions. I'm Ron Alesco, and as many of you know, I'm also the president of the Hurdy Gurdy Folk Music Club in Fairlawn, New Jersey. And this coming Saturday, September the 10th, we are reopening and i am so excited about this uh, this performer um I've, I've played his music on the show before and I, I finally had a chance to see him perform in person this uh, past spring at the old songs festival in altamont new york and uh we're thrilled that we're able to open our season with him uh you probably uh, some of you have seen him with our the carolina chocolate drops or maybe in rhiannon giddens band or Hopefully, as a solo artist, uh, we're pleased to welcome to Traditions the one, the only, Hubby Jenkins. Hubby, good to see you today. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Good to oh. see you. Oh, it's so good to see you, and it's so good to have you on the program, and I'm so looking forward, as I said, to having you at the Hurdy Gurdy. Uh, I've uh, I, I've really enjoyed your music. I mean, I, I fell in love with the Carolina Chocolate Drops when I when I first heard them a number of years back, and you were with them for a number of years. And anyway, what's the status? They're they're officially disbanded, or what? Or you've all gone on to other things. Is what? What's the story there? I think it's safe to say that that's the status, disbanded <laughs> and <laughs> off into the world. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I know you've, you've done some work with Rhiannon Giddens and her bands after that. Um, and you're still, you know, you're still with basically the, that, that foundation. Um, the Carolina Chocolate Drops really were part of a, a revival of, of black string bands, which, uh, you know, I think brought a lot of attention to a musical form that I think people hadn't really been noticing for a while yeah you know it's uh when i first started playing old time you know i grew up in brooklyn in new york so when i first started playing old time music i, I got interested in country blues first uh-huh. and i thought i was the only black person in the world playing <laughs> this music <laughs> and i remember listening to the harry smith, smith folk anthology and hearing like clarence ashley and banjos and being like i don't know what that is it's not for me and then i was reading a book and it just casually mentions that the banjo was invented by slaves. I was like, wait, what? The whole yeah. time? You know? Um, and so it just became a personal mission of like, I'm going to learn more. My black empowerment is now coming through this music. And I'm going to share this with the whole world. You know? Right. You know, we need to know this. And this is interesting. It makes the music more interesting and puts our history in a different scope. Yada, yada, yada. And over time, then I met dom and got hooked up with the chocolate drops and we're like hey we're trying to do the same thing too like all right oh snap let's let's do this you know <laughs> uh well i'm so glad you guys hooked up there uh you know i remember a couple of years ago i was talking to guy davis uh and he tells the story that you know his father gave him a banjo back in the 1960s and he said at that time you know being a black man getting a banjo it just didn't feel right but then i think as you're saying about learning the history behind it uh and the importance of, of being able to share that now for, for you in brooklyn i mean you you, I, you kind of got into how you became involved with this music but um you know i were you also exploring some of your own roots when you were learning this kind of music um i think uh you know, when I got out of high school, I played saxophone, cello, and bass <laughs> for my <laughs> whole life um, up to that point. And I got really interested in 60s, like classic rock. So like Hendrix and 
Beatles and got really into Dylan. Dylan's first record is basically a blues <laughs> album, all yeah. covers. And I had a really good friend whose dad uh, is a record tape blah, blah, blah collector. And so we would just go and be like, I heard about this guy, Bucka White, and just go through my friend's dad's shelves and borrow CDs. And <laughs> that's how I learned about the music. And for me and my friends who got into it, our big connection was the, the folk scene of the 50s and 60s. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of those blues guys came through New York. A lot of them moved to New York. Like Reverend Gary Davis lived here and gave lessons to whoever. And so that was our connection. We started hanging out in Washington Square Park a lot. And at first it was just the power of the music that I found engaging mm-hmm. and interesting. The fact that like Skip James could be as powerful as, I don't know, rock this joint or whatever. <laughs> Is it rip this joint? Rip this joint for Rolling Stones or something. You know, it just that was what attracted me to it in the first place. Right. You know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm an old guy. So, uh, you know, I got into the music, uh, you know, not quite at the, at the folk revival, but towards the tail end of it. And, you know, I think at the time it was speaking something to me. And, you know, I, I go to a lot of clubs, uh, a lot of venues, festivals, and I see a lot of people my age. But I, I really feel encouraged when I see young folks like yourself and uh, people like Nora Brown and all that great scene that's happening in, in Brooklyn, of all places. Uh, it's kind of become a, a spot for traditional music again. Thanks for calling me young. I really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> well, you are. You are. Come on. Compared to me. It comes and goes. Tell my knees this. All right. Um, you know, yeah, I was actually talking, I don't know, yeah. When when I when when I first started playing and even with chocolate drops, you know, we're, there weren't a lot of young people, not a lot of young black people in particular like playing yeah. this music and it was very much a white male dominated scene, even the blues scene in some ways. Um so it's just great to see over the time that like that's changed and you have things like more young people, more women, more people of color, more queer people uh, playing old-time music. And uh, and when I say old-time, I'm encompassing trad jazz and country sure. blues and as much as Appalachian and fiddle and banjo stuff. You know, that's kind of like the roots of this music, right? It's like the people's music. It's easy to pick up. Maybe you could say hard to master, uh, but I I think it's easy to master too. You know, you can get by with one chord. It's a it's about community. It's about dancing, and it's about being able to say what's affecting these communities. So yeah, it's music for everybody. So I'm glad to see that it's getting out there in that way. De- definitely, and and you know, I think what you what you said about it, um, you know, speaking to kind of issues of the day. Uh, you know, there's something that I think people find in folk music. In my generation, it may have been some of the anti-war songs or different uh, issues are coming on. And today, uh, well, on, on your on your first album, you, you do Parchment Farm Blues. And there, there's an introduction that you air right before it that really struck me. I mean, I, first of all, it's a masterful album. I mean, you recorded this in, uh, I guess, 2017. Uh, it's a self-titled album. Uh, and again, it's a, a sampling of, of all the, the uh, some of the old timey music that you've been been playing these years. Uh, but you incorporate these little interludes uh, that I think really brings it into to, to contemporary focus. Um, well, when, when you recorded this album, well, was was that your initial intention to to include these, or was that an afterthought when the album came out? Or um, yeah, I am a I'm a big rap fan. Uh, and growing up as a kid, all the rap albums I listened to all had skits and interludes in them. Um, and so I've just always enjoyed that 
um, on albums. And so I knew when I made one, I was like, I'm going to have something like this. And at the time, I was, um, I always have like an, had an audio recorder, and so I was recording a lot of things all the time. Um, and so a lot of the other stuff on the record, a lot of the other interludes are kind of found footage or things, you know. The first opening is an interview I did with uh, my grandfather's best friend, uh, just mm-hmm. talking about his playing. Um, there's other stuff of me recording friends in bars and other random stuff. But the skit you're talking about is the one that I actually wrote down. Um, and it came from a conversation I was having with a bandmate where I, you know, I was reading the, the news and just like, oh, did you hear about this lady who got killed? He's like, oh, the one that was on her way to work? Like, no, the one that was sleeping in her bed. He's like, oh, you mean in blah, blah, blah. And it was just a real moment that happened. Um, and I thought, this is this real bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I wanted to write a piece and like every, you know, no, not this, but that, every one of those instances are real people. And, um, and somewhere in the document, I have like the names of each of those people. None of those are made up. Those are all actual instances mm-hmm. of police misconduct, murder, et cetera. Um, and to put it before Parchment Farm is, you know, Parchment Farm, one of the early work farms in this country, you know, as we, transition out of reconstruction and t- create the black codes and create these systems, uh, these, sy- these legal systems to funnel black bodies into prison and use them again for labor, uh, just seem to go hand in hand, these, these two concepts. You heard who got killed by the cops last week? You mean the brother whose tail light was broken or something? No, the guy on the news in St. Louis got shot coming from a store or something. No, I think that was in Florida. No, that was a dude in Cleveland at the Walmart with a toy gun. That was a little girl who was caught shoplifting in Texas and they shot up her car. Or what about the time the cop shot that car like 140 times? No, I think she got pulled over for not having a turning signal. Wasn't that the girl in Louisiana? The one that walked out of her house? Nah, that was a crazy one. Any, anyway, anyway. I was thinking about a kid in a park or something. You mean a six-year-old boy who got shot in the head in the front now, seat of the car? that happened in Florida. A kid had a hoodie and some Skittles, man. Now, I think the Skittles thing was homeboy who got choked out in New York. No, he got shot coming down the stairs in his building. Oh, not the dude in the cop van in Baltimore. He got all fucked up. No, not him, no. Wait, not the guy wearing the headphones? Not the dude with the headphones. Not the lady whose house they busted into and shot when she was on her way to work? I don't think so. Okay, and not the other lady whose house they busted into and shot when she was sleeping? I'm not sure. And not the little girl whose house they busted into and shot when she was sleeping? I didn't even know about that. When did that happen? Singing goodbye, wife, for 
done gone I said goodbye why for you have done gone and I hope someday that I will overcome Parchment Farm, a song that uh, sung here by by Hubby Jenkins, who is with us today. He'll be appearing at the Hurdy Gurdy Folk Music Club at the Fairlawn Community Center this coming Saturday, September 10th. HurdyGurdyFolk.org is the website for more information. And I'm also the uh, the president of the Hurdy Gurdy. Just to, um, make that clear to everybody listening, as well as your host. And uh, uh, Hubby is with us today. Um, uh, you know, the, you did that recording. That, that was before George Floyd. And, I, you know, I, I, it, it struck me as I was listening to the, the the tone of it, which you said was based on a real conversation, how it was so matter of fact. Uh, oh, yeah. No, no. Was this way? And we're, you're talking human lives here that were destroyed, basically, by by actions of police. Um I, 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 I guess this, this music and, and your recordings, uh, you're addressing social issues in, in many ways. I mean, some of the old timey songs are just, you know, kind of things that people will sing without really thinking. But you get behind the lyrics, you get behind the words and you're kind of introducing a new element to, let's face it, often primarily white audiences uh, that, that sometimes listen to this. Is is that a key in, in your performance? That, that you're, is something you're consciously trying to get a message out there? Um, yeah, you know, I think just to speak to the matter-of-fact aspects of it, you know, uh, I remember hearing a, a Richard Pryor bit where he talks about 
getting paid on Friday and taking his date out and looking sharp and getting all dressed up and then getting pulled over by the cops. And then some stuff happens that I don't think you can say on the radio, <laughs> but it, it involves like being accosted by the police. And he yeah. ends with like, who feels like having fun uh, after something like that? And it's just, it's a joke that is from uh, the seventies that like, you would not have to change a bit about it. I guess maybe saying jive Turkey or something, but other than that, it would totally fit. Yeah. So the matter of factness just comes as this, it's been matter of fact for, me and my people for so long um, that it's kind of in that vein. And the Mm -hmm. second part of that is that, you know, when the media was paying a lot of attention to it, um, it was a daily thing. I was watching a new video every day and you get desensitized in that way. You know, we get desensitized to a lot of social injustice Mm. in order to function and be able to pay bills and live. (laughs) So, that that is also an aspect of it and i'm glad you pointed that out and picked up on it and the last thing that you mentioned is yeah you know i just always wanted to educate people like mm-hmm. i want to educate people about this music and after this time period after that time period um you know with colin kaepernick kneeling and black lives matter brunch and going out and protesting i just didn't want my shows to be or I guess my albums as well, to be a place where people don't think about it or forget. Or I just didn't want to make that space. And so to let people know all the time that like, I'm about old time music, I'm about community, and and I'm about like the struggle and black people and changing this country for the better for everybody. Mm -hmm. And that this music, that that is also a part of this music, um, period. Yeah, (laughs) well said, well said. And uh, and much needed too. I, 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 I know we we had Dom Flemons uh, at the uh, Hurdy Gurdy a few years back, and uh, you know, similar message got across. You know, a lot of people come think, okay, we're we're going to hear some old time music, but you know, the, the, I think everybody walked away that night thinking about things differently. And I, I, you know, I felt that way when I saw you at Old Songs, and I know uh, probably going to feel the same way at uh, at the Hurdy Gurdy this coming Saturday. Uh, you know, I think this kind of music is something that gives us things to to think about and discuss. And, you know, the, the fact that you're involved in old time music, um, you, you've learned a lot about the artists. You've learned a lot about the, the music uh, and you, you share that with audiences. Um, did you ever was that was that your intent? I mean, what were you, what were you planning for your career before all this kind of fell into your lap? I mean, you know, you you're now doing this as uh, I almost said a public service, but uh, you know, this is kind of a, a vocation. Yeah, you know, I. I, I've I've never been to college. I took a year off from college, and it's now lasted a very long, eighteen years, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I remember like sitting on the couch um with my guitar watching mtv and it was like right when i'd first gotten into this music and i just said to myself like i'm probably not going to be very famous i don't think i'm going to like be on mtv cribs and have a mansion or whatever but as long as i make enough money to play music and travel and live i'll be fine Uh so far it's working out (laughs) um and then um you know, I didn't, when I first started playing the music, it was just about the passion and the sound and like, isn't this cool and, um, and powerful. And over time, you know, being black and playing this music, being black and being in this country, I think it starts to mix with social justice and all that kind of stuff. And I remember seeing a poet once say, 
at the New York Recon a long time ago, she said, as an artist, I'm a public servant. Mm. And, and I always liked that line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, uh, art's got to be about something, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially yeah. when things are in a state as they are, you know. Sure. Well, it uh, your, your shows are definitely about something. Uh, you you really delighted the audiences at the at old songs when I saw you. And uh, yeah, looking at your recordings, I mean, you, you've got the one solo album out, and you did an EP in uh, 2020. Uh, it, it's called the Fourth Day, and this uh, has a little bit more of a religious bend to it. Is that the correct thing to say, or? Well, oh well, yeah, they're all spirituals and gospel songs yeah, on there. Yeah, right. Uh, how did this one come to be, and 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 what what made you just do it as an EP? Um, yeah, I've always enjoyed gospel and spirituals, and I mean, I think as a nation, we've loved these a lot of spirituals and gospel songs for a long time. Even not even if we're not you know religious or Christian specifically, mm-hmm. um, I'm. You know, I've had family members make me go to church, but I'm not like a church going person. <laughs> um, I've not been officially baptized, but my Puerto Rican great aunt baptized me in her kitchen sink in like 1990. So I think wow. I'm good. Um, but for me, it's just the interest of the music. And um, like if you see my show or when you come to the show, uh, I kind of am interested in the idea of the creation of black Christianity. This cre- mm-hmm. Christianity that would not exist without the institution of slavery. Um, and so without that happening, you, you wouldn't get all of these songs and this music and kind of traveling along with that, with this music. Mm-hmm. So when I made the EP, it was kind of just a germ of an idea or is that the right term? A seed yeah, yeah. of an idea. Um, and so that's where that EP came from and just wanted to get some of those out while they were in their infancy. Um, uh-huh. And now, yeah, I'm like have structured out the the full album and we'll record it soon and then oh, yeah nice. then i'll maybe do an album of dirty songs just to compensate. <laughs> <laughs> balance it's always about balance right uh well let, let's take a listen to one of the songs in fact this is the one that leads it off it's a song called i know his blood could make me whole yeah so this song comes from uh a man named blind willie johnson who recorded in the early 30s i'm gonna say not uh, don't quote me um, from Texas, and he just played in this slide style with a super gravelly voice that I love. He's probably like my favorite guitar player, or at least in the top three. And last tidbit I'll say about him is that on the golden disc that's on Voyager floating through outer space, uh, when aliens find it and start to learn about humanity, the very first thing they will hear is the singing of Blind Willie Johnson. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Let's go. 
Hubby Jenkins singing I Know His Blood Can Make Me Whole. That's from a, an EP that he's released called The Fourth Day. And hopefully uh, in the near future, we'll be seeing that uh, on an album, a full-length album of, of spirituals that Hubby has worked on here. And that was, uh, again, a song from Blind Willie Johnson, correct? Is that... Yeah. That's right. Now, yeah, that's, so I, I love... That's another thing I love about folk music, and I love what, you, what you've been doing with it. You know, you're, you're, you've not only uncover the song and not uncover the the, the styles that they introduced, but you're also telling a bit of history about these artists that may otherwise have been forgotten, except of course on the Voyager if they once they find that. Um, but, but but I get is, is history a, a big draw to you as well in in, in when you're designing your shows. Um, absolutely. I guess yeah. I mean, you te- are you telling a story? I guess when you're when you put together a concert, like what what we're going to see at the Hurdy Gurdy. Yeah, the history is super important. Um, and as like I said earlier about learning that the banjo was a black instrument, I think I was you know in my early twenties or something like this, and so it was one of those moments of just like, how come I didn't know this? How come everyone yeah. doesn't know this? What else do I not know? You know, they've been lying to us. You know, um, so it's that kind of feeling. So that was the spark for me to start reading more and learning more uh, about history and learning that things were not exactly how we're taught. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just the history, A, makes the songs more interesting. It gives them more depth and color. And um, it does the thing you're saying of like honoring those before and ancestors in that way. Um, And then, you know, the other goal is, is to look at now to have the, the full scope and be able to look at these songs and say, oh, that's how that connects now. Oh, Parchment Farm and the terrible prison system connects to what we have now. It's the roots of the system. You know, no tree stands without roots. Here are the roots and this is what grew from them. Um, so it's just very important to me to have that history in order to look at the present, make the music interesting and powerful um, and to honor those that came before. Oh, absolutely. And, and in doing all that, you create a, an experience for the audience uh, that uh, I, I know they'll remember. And I certainly, again, I, I, I was struck because it was the first time I saw you at Old Songs. Uh, what a powerful performance you gave that night. And uh, again, you're going to be at the Hurdy Gurdy Folk Music Club this coming Saturday, September 10th. HurdyGurdyFolk.org is the website. Um, so so what could we expect from you? Um, I guess uh, we're, we're hearing a little bit of it today, but uh, do you have plans with the way you do your, your shows or the way you put them together? Yeah, I think there's, um, I never make set lists, <laughs> uh-huh. which is, usually works out. Um, I kind of have, uh, I have a narrative structure and I usually pick songs. Um, there's a few set pieces, like points, like I know I will play this song and tell this story, yada, yada, yada. And then the rest are kind of like to just fill in and see how I feel and what's going to happen. Um, 
I'm a big fan of medley, so you'll probably see a couple of those. Uh-huh. But yeah, I'm still working with this with this idea of like the creation of Black Christianity and singing gospels and spiritual songs, um, and then whatever else strikes us, we'll feel the vibe of the room and throw in maybe right. a song about drinking or something just to keep it. <laughs> Keep it balanced. That's uh, right. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, listen, uh, you know, you've got your guitar, I see, with you today. I wonder if you would uh, uh, give us a little uh, preview of uh, what we might expect. Yeah, sure. I'll play Lock a song for you. <laughs> I'll play this song. Um, I've been really into a guy named Joseph Spence lately, oh, who yes. was a Bahaman guitar player um, who invented his own style of guitar playing. So let's do that. Let's do one of his songs. I got I got the Rona, and when I had it in November, I was like, should I watch the Michael Jordan documentary again, or should I really learn how to play Joseph Spence music? And I did both. <laughs> so here we go. I'll do his version of Jump in the Line. is great wow joseph spence i've always loved his music too the first i think i heard one of his tunes from the grateful dead used to do uh we bid you good night which was a, a classic joseph spence song and i started getting into his music as well but uh, it's so nice to see that and it, it also reminds me you're a multi-instrumentalist uh guitar banjo and uh, would you mention the saxophone is that what you were playing in, in oh god i haven't you don't want me to play in the saxophone <laughs> if every other sax player dies maybe i'll fill in it's been i played i grew up playing saxophone from like the age of five until high school but now i play guitar and banjo and bass and mandolin and bones um the fiddle was my quarantine instrument uh and my neighbors moved i don't think it was related but they did move out 
So maybe uh, I won't count the fiddle yet. Right. Well, we keep working on it. I'm sure we'll mm. look forward to that. Uh, what, uh, are you be bringing a lot of these instruments with you to the hurdy gurdy, or uh, how, how do you? It'll be guitar, banjo, and bones for sure. Um, right. And hopefully someday, I, I, you know, personal goal by 2023, I want to start doing some like solo fiddle stuff because uh-huh. uh, I I love the fiddle so much, but I find it super hard. Although this year, this summer, I played a dance. Um, a square dance and I played I fiddled a tune I led a song for the dance and uh, no dancers fell or hurt themselves so that's good. a success that's definitely <laughs> a success oh wow well you know that, that you, you the last couple of years of basically when you started going solo then you got hit with this pandemic has that been a uh, difficulty for you? I mean, I, I said before, I saw you at Old Songs, but, you know, touring and everything, you know, promoting albums and such, uh, must have put a little damper on a, on a start of a wonderful career. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, momentum extinguished, um, halted. Uh, this year is 2022 and it has been better. It's getting better, you know. Mm-hmm. I think now it's like the world is opening up, you know, whatever. There's like monkeypox and new Rona. Um, but the world is, is getting there. Uh, and I think for me, it's more like, you know, like personal stuff now. It's like, oh, yeah, what was how did I do this before? You know, like, yeah, it's a huge boat that you're trying to turn around. And yeah, you know, but other than that. When I'm on stage, I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is why. This is what it's all about. Yeah. You know, the rest of the time, I'm just like, what the hell's going on? So, <laughs> well, like I know, said, I, I, good. I, when I've seen you on stage, I can tell you're having fun, and the audience does as well. And we, we are all looking forward to seeing you at the Hurdy Gurdy Folk Music Club at the Fairlawn Community Center this coming Saturday, September the 10th, an 8 p.m. show. For more information, go to hurdygurdyfolk.org. And uh, your website, I guess, is uh, pretty simple. Hobbyjenkins.com, right? That's it. It's yeah. easy to guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in addition uh, to the show that you're doing at the Hurdy Gurdy, what, what, what's, what's the future looking? You, you mentioned you, you're going to be working on an album. Any more tours or anything else planned? Any other projects? Um, that's the main project going on. I'm doing some shows like around, I'm doing more shows, doing uh-huh. some shows around the city in New York. Uh, there's like a Brooklyn Americana Fest coming up. I'm doing a show with some friends at, uh, uh, St. Mark's Church coming up, which I have a rehearsal for. I got to think uh-huh. about. Um, and yeah, the summer has been really crazy for me. And, uh, I'm like about to be home for a week and that's like the longest I've been home in a few months. And I'm really uh-huh. looking forward to that kind of stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, our, our listeners uh, should also be aware of a wonderful little series that you did. I think it was on Facebook during the pandemic where you uh, brought out your storytelling side. Uh, are you still doing that? <laughs> I, I am not, but I should think about getting into it again. I'm, I Since I'm a kid, I've been a big fan of Choose Your Own Adventure books. And uh, when they reissued them, they cut out my favorite writer, Edward Packard, from the reissues. There's a lot of drama behind it. I don't think we have time to talk about it in the radio <laughs> show, my, that level of nerddom that I have. Um, but I just started collecting them. Like, whenever we're on tour, I just call up bookshops and just be like, hey, do you have any Edward Packards? Cool, I'll be there. And the collection just grew and grew. Um, and then I started reading them at shows. I, I'm also a big Andy Kaufman fan, so it's kind of reminiscent of... Uh, uh, his Great Gatsby bit. Right. Um, but it was also when I started doing solo shows and talking a lot about black stuff and black history, social justice and stuff, there were t- nights where people would get really mad and like would say 
very rude things to your friend Hubby Jenkins. And so when I started integrating the book, I would just read part of the book, ask the audience to make a decision, and then just play a song and talk about the history and then just go back to the book. And just, it kind of disarmed people's um, yeah. walls and barriers. And so that just became a big part of that. And then during the shutdowns, uh, my partner suggested that I just start reading them. I keep pointing this way because I just have an entire shelf that is just just full, full. Oh, I Even see behind that. there, there's a crap ton of them. I have two here that I've just been reading for fun for myself. Um, and I think I might want to bring it back. At some shows this summer, people have been saying like, oh, it's so great. We missed it. Uh, so I might do it once a month or something like that. It, yeah, it could I, be cool. I know, a lot of them are still up on Facebook. I watched a couple of them. And I, you've got a great way of telling the story and you incorporate music into it. And uh, well, it, that's terrific. Well, Hubby, I, again, I want to thank you for spending some time with us today. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you again this this coming Saturday at the Hurdy Gurdy. Um, I want to end with a, another song, which I think a lot of our listeners might recognize the song. Uh, maybe not exactly the version that you have of it but uh, you do a nice uh, cut of Karina on on your first album um, where did you learn this one from um, I learned this one from uh, an Alan Lomax film uh, I'm blanking on the what it's called the jukebox global jukebox I think oh, they're called yeah and they're trying they're trying to digitize a lot of his films and just digitize everything they can before it's yeah. gone forever um, and they're probably very broke but whatever they're figuring it out and they just put up a bunch of videos years ago and one this was a video of a guy named Clyde Maxwell I believe it's early 70s um, and he seems to be pretty drunk and he must have come <laughs> off work he's in like a jumpsuit the guitar is terribly out of tune and he just does this version of Karina and I Never heard a version of Karina sound like this. And I thought, hey, let's, you know, mix it up. Everyone knows the other Karinas. Like, let's try this one. And I just love, I love groove-based songs. You know, one yeah. groove, that's it. It's about dancing. It's about moving. The poetry is, like, rhythmic more than anything. And just, blind, you know, still evocative. And uh, I, I just really like that version a lot. And I recommend people check out the video, too. Clyde Maxwell, Karina. Um, yeah, go, go do that. Great. Well, we're gonna we're gonna play your version of it right now from your uh, 2017 album, Hubby Jenkins. And again, you'll be at the Hurdy Gurdy Folk Music Club, Fairlawn Community Center in Fairlawn, New Jersey, this coming Saturday, September 10th at 8 p.m. HurdyGurdyFolk.org is the website for more information. Hubby, thank you so much for being with us today, and uh, I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Yeah, Ron, it's been a pleasure. See you then. And now, here's Hubby doing Karina. I love Karina. Love Karina. I love Karina. Love Karina. Lord have mercy. Baby, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Baby, please don't leave me. Way down in the valley, Lord have mercy. Don't believe she left me. Believe she left me. Don't believe she left me. Don't believe she left me. Lord have mercy. Down in the bottom. Way down in the bottom. 
down in the bottom, way down in the bottom. Lord have mercy. Who's that yonder? Tell me who's that yonder? Who's that yonder? Coming down the road, road. Lord have mercy. Look like little Maggie, like little Maggie. Look like little Maggie. But she go too slow, slow, Lord have mercy Lord please tell her hurry, tell her come hurry Tell her come hurry, tell her come hurry Lord have mercy, who's that yonder? Tell me who's that yonder, who's that yonder? Look like Alberta, Lord have mercy I left Alberta, left Alberta, I left Alberta, we across the sea, sea, Lord have mercy, that fool got drowned in, fool got drowned in, that fool got drowned in, swimming out to meet me, Lord have mercy. Thanks for tuning in to Folk Music Notebook. If you'd like to help keep the music flowing, our tip jar can be found at paypal.me slash folkmusicnotebook. We thank you for your support.